If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, like, and share so we can find others like yourself. Welcome to the Bitcoin Basics podcast with your hosts, Faris and Gordon from CoinCompass.com, enabling you to safely buy and securely store your Bitcoins. All resources are in the show notes and description, including our disclaimer. Visit BitcoinBasicsPodcast.com to subscribe and discover other free content. In this episode, Faris from CoinCompass.com and Tyler Coates, creator of EMA-SAR and co-author of Hyperwave Theory, discuss upcoming trends in Bitcoin, gold, and the S&P 500. Tyler explains how his indicator picks key turning points in the markets to determine when to go long and short. They discuss how the S&P 500 could enter a new Hyperwave phase and where the key levels of support are for Bitcoin. Check the description of this podcast or video for all the resources mentioned. Enjoy, and here's Ferris. All right, everyone. Well, it's a great pleasure to have Tyler Coates here, also known as Socrates. Um, Tyler, great to have you back. I think the last time we spoke was about April, May. How, how are things? Things are well. Yeah, I was uh, trying to remember when it was that we last spoke and couldn't quite put my finger on it, but it has been uh, a little while. Sure, appreciate you having me back. Oh, no, it's a real pleasure. And um yeah, we were talking off camera before where I haven't been an active swing trader for a couple of years now, and I'm uh, looking excited to get back in. Um, so we'll talk about Bitcoin, but um, we're post the U.S. elections here, and we're seeing some volatility in gold and oil. And so is now the time for swing traders to get back in? Uh, you know, that's a, a really good question. I guess I'm uh, quite envious of, of yourself of being able to um, maybe recognize preemptively when it may not be a good environment to swing trade and then to uh, stay away from that. Uh, that's, I guess, not not an approach that, that I have myself. I just kind of uh, am of the opinion that I got to keep holding the slot machine handle. And the, the, the more I lose, the more likely it is for a, a big trend to, to take off. And the last couple of years have been um, very choppy and, uh, and Bitcoin at the S and P every time it would make a new high, it would dump very hard. And, uh, that is a very bad sort of, uh, couple of years for anybody trying to, to swing trade that, uh, environment. And then Bitcoin, same situation. As soon as it finally gets some, uh, wind under its wings, it would just, uh, crash back down to, to where it came from, which, uh, means that somebody trying to take advantage of the longer term trends, maybe you get a, a little bit of meat on, on, the, those, those moves before getting stopped out, uh, or maybe you just end up uh, losing in that in that choppy environment. And if I kind of stay away, uh, if I say like, uh, man, this is maybe not a good time to swing trade. Uh, my experience has been it's like the I just pulled the slot machine ten times, and now I'm going to get up right before it's uh, getting ready to pay out. I'm, I'm never able to to tell beforehand that this wouldn't be a good time, so I just kind of stay in there, keep my nose to the ground, and just expect uh, the cost of doing business of uh, you know number of losses to uh, get through keep keep the uh, boat on uh, on float uh, until you do get to an environment where there are some good trends and I do think that uh, these next couple of years uh, following the election following the Bitcoin having following the money printing um, if we don't get some good trends over the next two years and I, I don't know what it'll take <laughs> well we definitely have had um, Bitcoin um, breaking through those key points of resistance we've had in the past. How does where Bitcoin is today relate to what we spoke about last time in your, the hyperwave um, uh, correlation? 
Well, it's uh, about ready to finally put that to rest, uh, which is kind of what I've been expecting here for a while. Um, uh, I guess my uh, main opinion was that if uh, if it was going to return to a thousand like the uh, pattern was calling for, that it would need to do it before the halving. Um, and it's something I talked a lot about that we've seen a lot of hyperwaves, and, and when they enter phase seven, they all have returned to phase one, but we've never once had a hyperwave in an asset that halved in the middle of phase seven. And to me, that halving for Bitcoin is much more important than uh, the technical pattern of the hyperwave. So, I mean, it it did get awfully close to, to getting there uh, before, right before the halving. And some may even speculate that it could have gotten there if Bitmex didn't shut down right at that uh, at the exact bottom um, when there was literally less than one billion in liquidity uh, below mm -hmm. three thousand. So that was a, a very scary time. And and if it was going to get there, it would have been then, in my opinion. Uh, and then once it halved, I had abandoned that target myself. And the, uh, the textbook uh, rules tell us that uh, it is still phase seven until it returns to phase one or until it creates a new all-time high. And I have been uh, expecting a new all-time high here for a little bit and thinking that as soon as that happens, uh, that the hyper wave will be done and over with. And I'll be uh, ha happy about that. So when you say the hyper wave will be done and over with, um, just jog my memory here. Are we talking about that is the end of this hyperbolic bull market in Bitcoin? Um, that would... Um, more be the end of the bear phase, uh, the bear correction. Um, so, uh, the uh, to, to clarify, um, there are a number of sort of bubbles that uh, markets can uh, form. Uh, one common one would be a blow off top, where it's just kind of a V straight up, straight down. Uh, the other one is the curved parabola, uh, like that. And then uh, the one that we're focusing on is, is the hyperwave, where there are just very specific rules where it has to have exactly seven phases and it only has three phases to the upside. And the upside was done, uh, you know, in, in 2017 after it broke down 15,000. Uh, that's when the upside of that uh, bubble move was done and uh, and we expected a return to 1,000 before the next one could take off and the sort of uh, line in the sand for you got to have a, a, an area where you're wrong. Uh, for Tyler Jenks, the creator of the theory, his area was always the all-time high and he wasn't going to deviate from that no matter what. Uh, whereas I um, felt like uh, the uh, having would be more likely to uh, set off a new bull market before returning to 1000 than returning to 1k so essentially uh the the theory states that we need to make a new all-time high before a new bubble can even start um, or we had to return to 1k before a new bubble could even start uh, so uh, as it stands right now um my perspective is that that the bubble in 2017 fully corrected. Uh, it had the the full uh, two-year bear market that uh, really tested the near the low of that run. And now that we're back near the all-time high, the the last thing that we would need is for one person to buy a, a tenth of a Bitcoin above you know 19.5, and then uh, phase seven is done, and that hyperwave is in the past. <laughs> Okay, cool. So we are, and we'll know that very soon because we're nearing those all-time highs as we um, just got to 19,200 on Bitstamp within the last 24 hours, I think. 
Absolutely. And I'm uh, yeah. glad you brought that up because there is uh, something I forgot to mention to you uh, off the top that I would like to mention more than anything else. And that is uh, me and my friends, uh, Fibbo Swanee and Joe Saz have been planning an all-time high party uh, since the <laughs> price was around 10,000. Uh, we were seeing some, uh, you know, real good signs that it could get there before the end of the year. So we decided that uh, we're going to put on a party for as soon as it happens. Once that's created, we're going to be uh, renting a house uh, on, on the beach in, in Alabama and throwing a party for, for anybody that, that wants to, to come hang out because we think uh, it, we're going to deserve a party after those last couple of years. <laughs> That sounds like a lot of fun. And um, yeah, we'll post a link to that later on if you like. But yeah, <laughs> I'd be joining in on that. For anyone listening, this episode is visually intensive. So visit our YouTube channel, coincompass.com slash YouTube to follow along. We use TradingView for all our charts and you can sign up for a free account at coincompass.com slash TradingView. Now... One thing you mentioned earlier is you're working on a sentiment indicator. Can you tell us about that, Tyler? Yeah, absolutely. I would love to. Um, something that I have just uh, been working on for a long time, and I, I feel like I just got a good uh, prototype uh, up and running. I'm trying to pull something up now. Um, this has been a good time to take a look. Okay, I'll go ahead and share my screen. So here is, it's not available right now, but it will be by, by the end of the year, I'll be launching the site. I'm really excited about, uh, there'll be a handful of uh, really cool things like this. Um, so many people are familiar uh, with this uh, Fear Greed Index. Uh, I think it's alternative.me. Uh, they have uh, this Fear Greed Index, which I really like the idea of it, but I've never used this at all. And in fact, I just don't know how anybody could find any value in this, just to be honest. Uh, a lot of people seem to use it but I've never seen anybody use it effectively. And uh, I really appreciate the work that they do. But the problem is, is that it's just too subjective. Uh, each day we analyze emotions and sentiments from different sources and uh, crunch them into a single number. So as a trader, uh, you know, how would I ever rely on that their uh, subjective opinion of sentiment when they're not even gonna even elaborate at all on where these sources are coming or what the number mean. I mean, this is just something that I, I don't have any value for, but it seems like a lot of people do. And I do really like the idea. If we can figure out an objective way to, to determine uh, fear versus greed in crypto markets, then uh, that could potentially be a, a huge edge. And I, I think we're uh, really onto something here. And I wasn't ready to share it quite yet, but I thought it was the perfect time uh, back here on the 15th. Uh, let's see, where was Bitcoin? trading at on the 15th, uh, let's see, we were in this range right around here, uh, consolidating below 16,000 between like 15 and 16. Um, and I noticed that uh, their, uh, the original fear greed index, it had been an extreme greed for, for multiple mm -hmm. weeks. Uh, when we were down at 14,000, you're seeing this market at extreme greed. And then it's just been there you know, that this, this whole time. So if you're, you know, using something that's telling you extreme greed here, and then just keeps telling you extreme greed. Uh, and that's the same thing I see to the downside, extreme fear all the way down. So I'm, like I said, uh, very interested in finding a, a more objective tool. And uh, so that's what I have put together here that it, it uh, uses uh, just 
uh, information from uh, margin trading and futures trading, yeah. uh, as well as comparing the uh, current spot price to the uh, margin price, uh, mm -hmm. along with the different funding rates in futures. Uh, so uh, all completely objective. And it, I think it can be a very, very powerful way to measure fear versus greed. And it's one of the main reasons why I've been able to stay so bullish this whole way up because I was seeing absolutely no greed. The yeah. premium in the futures was very reasonable, if not at a discount. The premium in the funding, very, very reasonable. The move was being driven by spot opposed to speculative uh, traders. And uh, therefore, uh, I've been paying very, very close attention to this myself and waiting for this to get over to when we have a big move like this. I really do not expect us to top without seeing some big signs in the futures and in the funding. Uh, so I'm really going to be holding on to a big portion of my position until this uh, moves over here into this area. And it's not available yet, but I have been just kind of sending out tweets to uh, show here was the original one. And then uh, just recently, uh, before his last move, made a, a post saying that we're still still neutral. And uh, if that does change, uh, keep an eye out on Twitter because I will share it there. And then by the end of the year, that, that'll be available to everybody. <laughs> So just to clarify for our listeners, when you're saying spot versus future, so the spot price is people simply buying Bitcoins off exchanges and say, either leaving them there, which we hope they don't, or moving them into cold storage. Um, on margin, you're talking about people going to say BitMEX and um, buying Bitcoin on leverage and trading. Was it, is that the difference um, there? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I think something that's very important, something to pay close attention to is uh, what's driving the, the price action. Of course, everybody knows it's, it's supply and demand, but where is the supply or demand coming from? If the demand for Bitcoin is coming from people wiring dollars from Wells Fargo to Coinbase to buy spot Bitcoin, that's much, much different than a person who is uh, speculating on leverage about the direction of Bitcoin. Uh, if you've got a market moving up and the primary demand is from speculative traders, tells me it's just a bunch of greedy people trying to, uh, you know, ride a little trend and, and make some money on leverage. Whereas when you have people that are actually buying uh, spot Bitcoin and that's where the most of the demand is coming from. And then what's happening on what's been happening recently on the um, leverage exchanges is that they've actually been uh, very much in disbelief. We've been seeing a lot of short selling uh, coming from uh, places like BitMEX and, and Bybit because uh, as these people have started, as this demand has started to come from Coinbase and, and Kraken and Bitstamp, the guys on the margin uh, side, they're seeing these the, the, the price go up and they're seeing it as a great shorting opportunity. So they short it and then they're just getting taken out because there's so much actual spot demand that's overwhelming the uh, the supply from spot miners as well as the short sellers uh, on margin exchanges, which is that's how trends start. You leave behind the short sellers and you have more than enough demand for the actual uh, market supply. Yeah, we were actually talking just about this last week with um, Peter McCormack, where he was saying he thinks there is a supply shock coming. There'll be a lot more demand than supply for Bitcoins because people are going to start realizing governments can you know, hit control P, create foreign fiat currency, but there's only X amount of Bitcoins left. And um, so, yeah, he does see you know a potential parabolic move based on simply supply and demand. Um, what I like about what you're doing here is that, because um, me and Gordon have actually talked about a sentiment indicator for Bitcoin for some time, 
but there's very little empirical data that you can get with, um, you know, you can get the commitment of traders reports that will look like at metals, currencies, treasuries, indices. You look at speculators versus commercial holders. There's so much data out there and so much money where it's a lot easier to come up with this. For me, my sentiment indicator for crypto has basically been what's happening on Twitter. You know, when you hear things like, that's it, Bitcoin's dead, I'm selling all my Bitcoins, and then we're nearing a bottom. I've been a bit concerned lately when everyone's like, yep, Bitcoin is replacing gold, it's going to replace fiat sovereign currencies, Stan Druckenmiller's buying it, Paul Tudor Jones is buying it, to the moon. I'm like, okay, now I'm getting a bit worried that we're reaching a top. But again, that's very subjective, your Twitter feed, so... And that is something that I have tried to use very much myself. Um, like the main reason why I would log on to Twitter there for a long time was just to check my top posts because it seemed like Twitter had a, a good way of putting the some top posts uh, to what people are really uh, feeling. And I don't know, I, I, I just never had any luck with that uh, uh, because my view would just, uh, yeah, I mean, sometimes I'd be right, sometimes I'd be wrong, and I'd never know, did I just have the right subjective view or not? Because uh, right now, my opinion is the, the opposite. I've been blown away by the sentiment on Twitter over this last move in terms of, uh, like, uh, I sent out a tweet recently, I said, what, what price is it going to take for, for Twitter to start talking about Lambos again? Uh, back in 2017, <laughs> prices at 15,000 and everybody's talking about how many Lambos they're going to buy. And then price gets there today. I haven't seen one, like I, I tried to search Lambo on Twitter. There isn't like one person talking about Lambos. It tells me they, they had to lose all their money throughout the, they sold the bottom and they didn't buy back. Uh, and they're all in disbelief. Like for me, that wall street cheat sheet where you form a bottom and then you take off and everybody's mm -hmm. in disbelief, this whole run up has just been plagued by everybody that had so much belief throughout the whole bear market that we were going to the moon now they're all cannot believe that we're actually at 20,000. Nobody can believe that we're at 20,000 as far as I can tell. And uh, that's yeah. yeah, kind of been my perspective is uh, like I sent out another tweet, like I don't think 18,000 Bitcoin's overvalued. And that isn't like a popular opinion. Whereas like on Twitter, that should be the most popular opinion, yeah. I would think. <laughs> well, maybe the reason we're not hearing Lambos is because people can't leave the house now. <laughs> If your Bitcoins are on an exchange or mobile wallet, you could lose them in this bull run. Coincompass.com is running a free one-hour webinar on Sunday, 6 December 2020, where you can learn about cold storage, multi-sig, and best practices for securing your Bitcoin. Become a self-sovereign custodian of your investment by owning, not renting, your Bitcoins. To register and for more details, visit coincompass.com forward slash webinar. You also had another indicator that you've been working on. The Am I pronouncing this correctly? The MSR? E-M-A-S-A-R? Yes, that's, correct. that's correct. Yep. Uh, yeah, I'd love to uh, share that here. It's something I've been uh, working very hard on for a while, and it's uh, come together really, really well. I'm tremendously excited. And um, yeah, I just really never even thought that it would come together as well as it have. And a uh, big shout out to uh, Johan uh, Duplessis for developing it. He's just a, a genius programmer and is the reason why we... Uh, have this here today. Um, so I'll start out, try to just give a quick overview. It's uh, cool because there's two modes uh, for uh, if you want to trade or if you want to invest. And uh, we have the trader mode or the investor mode. So the, the foundation is the investor mode. And let's see here. It is just going to be a very, very uh, simple, basic way to try to uh, manage uh, portfolio, like longer term positions to uh, just try to 
stay exposed to trending markets and then to um, uh, also, you know, protect your, get out before the trend reverses and then potentially even short. Uh, so this was uh, something that I used uh, myself. This was the, the primary uh, way that I would trade for, um, for a few years and then had it developed uh, back in here and released it uh, right around here after we got a couple of really beautiful signals from the, the long at 43 up to 10.1 to and then the short from 10.2 down to 81 and then a, a reverse into the long. This is where I was thinking the, the bull market was ready to start. So I was thinking it'd be a perfect mm -hmm. time to uh, release it. And uh, then we did end up getting some really nice signals there afterwards, which was definitely very important to me uh, to see that it caught that uh, short signal around 82. And um, this is kind of what I was talking about as a swing trader. Uh, maybe you get in here at 82, uh, 81, and then the market does move. But by the time you're signaled to get out, you basically broke even or, or you know, in a good case, maybe you, you lose in a bad case. And then the signal uh, most recently came at uh, about 9,500 when we were able to uh, break through uh, this red line here that would have printed after um, the market reversed there. And one quick thing that I want to show is the target for that move was hit perfectly. It was unbelievable to see it in real time. That big crash that happened down to uh, this 4,000 area um, was coming right in at this uh, old horizontal level. So it's getting a little bit more in depth than I was uh, meaning to, but uh, here we go. Just a very uh, basic situation where anybody can see, okay, open long, and then you can just set yourself an alert uh, to, see here to let you know when to get out so you don't have to sit here watching charts all day every day you just want to try to take advantage of the the one or two year runs that tend to happen uh you just come in set yourself an all-in-one alert and it will tell you uh, when to open or close uh, the position it also tells you position size uh that sort of stuff um so really uh like how this is uh, designed to capitalize on the parabolic markets that are uh, very common in uh, Bitcoin. And I will now just sh show the uh, trader mode, which is now what I use since that has been developed. Uh, basically, investor mode will buy breakouts. Uh, it will wait for everything to line up with the trend saying it's bullish. If there's kind of some indecision, it'll tell you to stay out. And then once everything is there, it'll tell you to go ahead and uh, get right in on the breakout. And there will be only an average of one signal about every eight weeks. Uh, so if you're looking to uh, you know, trade Bitcoin and, and uh, not spend too much time. Uh, there's people that are just, uh, you know, uh, a couple hours a week needing to come in to, to adjust their uh, positions. And that can be a, a really good thing for uh, people that are looking for longer term stuff. And after releasing it, the main uh, feedback was that nobody really, everybody thinks they want the longer term trends, but uh, mm. everybody it just seems to care about like the 15 minute chart and the, and the one hour charts. Uh, so that was no, definitely itchy trigger fingers. Yeah, that, that was uh, something that a lot of people liked the idea. Uh, but once they had to sit here and wait uh, for this next signal uh, for, you know, a couple months or something, that's when they started to realize, oh, maybe, maybe swing trading isn't for me, which is, uh, you know, quite all right. And this is a, uh, the trader mode, something that I'm just really excited about because of uh, 
One second here. It is one of, if not the only things that I've found uh, that will be consistently profitable in ranges as well as in uh, trending markets. Uh, so that's the one thing that I am most excited about here. And just to give a quick overview of what we're looking at basically is this uh, brown area, we call it the beach. And when it is below the price, that's the buy zone. Mm -hmm. And then the sky is the sell zone. Uh, so right here throughout the halving um, was just getting some incredible signals where I was able to buy uh, near the bottom and then sell near the top of the range uh, to make a little bit of profit while we were uh, stuck in this range here. And then uh, what I'll do is basically only take like 50% such that if it does take off, I'm still holding on to a portion of it. And then um, in bear markets, uh, that's your sell zone. Uh, so mm -hmm. I was uh, shorting here and then taking a little loss as that turned into a bull market. I took my loss there and then was able to, to get back long and, and still have been holding long there uh, and continue and plan to uh, continue to as long as this is fully bullish uh, and unless I see some major signs from that uh, fear and greed mm -hmm. index. Uh, so basically the the, the buy zones here, the last level of defense is this uh, ocean, this uh, blue area, and that's where uh, stops would be set below the blue area in this uh, red area, which is deemed the, the underworld where, where the trends go to die. So here we had a bear trend switch to bullish. And now as long as this blue ocean or beach holds on pullbacks, then mm -hmm. we are going to be looking uh, very strong and, and ready to continue. And uh, that's something that has been uh, working on, on all the time frames, uh, all the way down to like the one minute chart, getting some really good signals on this last move on the uh, hourly that we've been paying close attention Sorry. to. And Scroll taking, back uh, on that screen there, Tyler. Um, yep. Zoom out a bit. Gosh, it really did pick the bottom there around October 20th. Oh, and what's October even... Uh, and look at that, that flip right there. That picked them, and that's on an hourly chart. That really picked the move, didn't it? It sure did. And uh, wow. one thing that was the, the coolest part about that signal uh, there, if my computer would uh, load here, is that uh, this sky actually has an exhaustion function so that when the... Uh, uh, the weather kind of changes, it signals exhaustion. So here we have clear skies, uh, and then we have partly cloudy, cloudy, and stormy. And the rules that I share, uh, and uh, uh, one of the perfected setups that I, I talk about regularly in my group when we find them, it's very rare, but uh, it's something to pay very close attention to, is when you have a storm, and the price is making higher lows in a bull trend, uh, excuse me, in a bear trend. So this is signaling a bear trend with the beach above, but while we're in this bear trend, we're actually making higher lows. So right here, it's telling us that this move is exhausted, and the reality is, is it didn't even go anywhere. So it's really showing that the bulls are in a, a, a big a sign of strength for bulls when you enter an exhausted bear trend and they're creating higher lows. So this is actually one that I got to buy right here because the sky is the buy signal. Anytime mm -hmm. you get a uh, storm in a bear market with higher lows, this becomes your buy signal uh, with the uh, local low as the stop. So I uh, got actually a couple really beautiful signals. The uh, short signal right here, it tried to come up and take out that high, but it 
didn't. Uh, we still stayed on that lower high, so called that reversal beautifully. And then that one uh, as well, just perfectly. And not only the reversal, but it got us out of the shorts and into longs once that flipped into, into the storm on higher lows. So that was really a, a, good, a very good signal for sure. And can you use this across um, all other classes as well, I'm presuming? Absolutely. Yeah, it's uh, all based on uh, exponential moving averages and the parabolic SAR, which are going to all be very relative to the asset in question. Um, I was literally about to ask you if you could bring up gold. You read my mind. All right, let's go ahead and take a look. Uh, on the traditional markets, I like to look at a higher time frame, like mm -hmm. four hour for crypto, uh, 12 hour for like the 24 hour markets, like gold, 12 to daily, and then the daily for the stock market. Uh, so right now we're actually getting a buy signal um, on mm -hmm. gold and definitely one that I would be uh, absolutely taking in a, in a very significant way. Um, and the reason why I like this, let me get this little guy out of here, is that it? this is the perfect setup for a trap um, for, for me in terms of you got this well-established uh, area where anybody kind of buying up here, this would be a very common stop. So now that we have wiped out that stop, um, now here we are at a major uh, level of support. And uh, as we can see, the last time it came down here, it shot off in a big way. So this is going to yeah. be pretty rare to get down to the beach on uh, on gold. Uh, and I think that it's going to be a, a signal that would be a very good one to take. And when I see that it's this thick, what that tells me is that I wouldn't want my stop to be all the way down here. Instead, I would look at some sort of local high. This is kind of telling me that we need to turn this into support. Yeah. And uh, if I did take this uh, right now, we're at 1807, I'm, I'm going to be buying and I would be looking to put my stop around 1650 um, because I, I think that this beach is a little too big to put it all the way down here. That's exactly, I was looking at gold this week and that's, I was looking at that 1760, 1770 level of support and um hoping that yeah expecting it to bounce from there um because fundamental basis i'm long i'd be long goal for the next three to five years just based on a um, geopolitical and economic uh, fundamental basis um and i don't know how many times we've seen this happen in gold it starts to take off and you get this dump because that dump from 2100 down to 1900 that was in less than two hours it just got hammered and you see this happen in gold time and time again. Uh, absolutely. And I'll tell you what, uh, one of the main things that's been in the back of my mind throughout this Bitcoin run is what we saw out of gold. And I'm really, really wondering how much gold may be foreshadowing uh, what Bitcoin does, because mm -hmm. this action in Bitcoin it would make a lot of sense. Uh, as we're approaching the prior high, it blows right through and it stays up there for like a week for long enough mm -hmm. for all the news outlets to start talking about new highs in gold and yada, yada, yada. And then after it kind of gets up there, boom, it dumps back down. So thinking about Bitcoin running up to 23K um, in the next couple of weeks to, to a month uh, and then having just a, a couple hour move back down to 18, that's something that I want to be ready for myself in terms of I want to be taking some profit uh, and having some orders set for that quick move down. Because if you don't have orders set, you're generally not going to catch those uh, yeah. those you know, best prices. Yeah, I remember in the bull market in 2017, um, I was logging to three exchanges at the same time trying to buy uh, instant and you couldn't. They just kept shutting down. So you need to have your limit orders in early. 
That's a really good point and something I've been really, really wondering about uh, if, if the exchanges have done their job and gotten ready for this next run. Because bottom line, in 2017, they just had no idea how big that was going to happen. And if you went through that and you didn't prepare for the next one to be much bigger than you think, then, you know, I've got very little respect for you as a businessman. And uh, after having a couple high volume days already getting some shutdowns has got me really feeling mm-hmm. like, gosh, dang it, I, I really just want to be able to buy and sell when I want to buy and sell. Like there yeah. shouldn't be too much to ask for. Yeah. Could I ask you to uh, use this chart on the uh, NASDAQ, if you don't mind? Absolutely. Yeah, it'd be a good thing to take a look at here. Now, can people subscribe to this, um, Tyler? How would they go uh, yeah. on that? Uh, so the uh, cost for this is uh, $500 a year, and that was just for the investor mode. The trader mode was released uh, as a beta mode that everybody just gets access to. Uh, if you sign before the end of the year, you'll get uh, that included for the rest of the year. And uh, for, for more information, uh, the website is Socrates.com. Let's see if I can just pull up it right here. S-A-W-C-R-U-H-T-E-E-Z. Um mm-hmm. You go there. It's a very basic website. I'm working on building up one that will be ready soon, but uh, you can come here. There's a, a page for the investor mode. There's a page for trader mode. Also do a, a scholarship every month. Uh, if you're trading a small account, I don't want you spending you know too much on this. Uh, this should be well worth $500 for anybody trading any size. Uh, but if you're just starting out, just learning, uh, trading a small account, uh, uh, fill out an application and uh, email that to me. This has worked out very well. Some of the guys that have gotten scholarships have done very well and contributed a lot. Uh, just uh, so that's something I uh, would be happy for anybody to uh, go ahead and send that in. And uh, yeah, let's see here. It's very uh, generous of you, Tyler. I mean, we're seeing the rise of day traders with people in lockdown and free government handouts. So do your research, guys. Technical analysis works. It just works. I mean, I've tried everything from fundamental analysis to technical analysis. And I think um, looking at these last few years where, you know, since 2009, where, you know, really, really clever people have gone, I don't understand this market and just lost sleep over it and lost money over it. And you get TA guys like Peter Brandt, he just goes, I just followed the charts. And he's the one who's maintained his sanity and made a profit just by doing what the charts tell him to do. So, so I'm going to be subscribing to this and, um, you know, definitely be putting a link up for everyone else. So, and that scholarship is very kind of you, Peter, um, Tyler. Tyler. Sorry, excuse me. Thank you very much. And uh, before taking a look at this NASDAQ chart, I want to just take a quick look at uh, what, uh, sold me on technical analysis over everything else. And that was in 2017, trying to apply any sort of fundamentals to uh, coins like this, uh, where you have uh, XRP, where you can do all of the fundamental research that you want in the world. Mm. And then maybe you get a little pop where everything, you know, like for sure, this would be your time to, to short sell. And then, uh, and then you're just, you know, uh, wiped out. Uh, and anybody mm. who is following the trend um, is riding these things up and, and down and not giving a crap about uh what sort of fundamentals yeah. there may be underlying so i am a huge proponent of that uh, couldn't couldn't be more so and that is the oh, reason why is it's probably xrp specifically um tesla so I, was the most shorted stock in hmm. america at 200 dollars, and it went it went up to almost 2000 didn't it and basically that was on a short squeeze was it 2000 or yeah. 1000 i think before they split yeah, closer to 240 split. And people had a very good business case as to why it was overvalued at $200. Yeah. And look, they're right. The thing is, they're at, on a fundamental basis, they are right. 
But at the end of the day, do you want to be right or do you want to make money? Couldn't agree more. And uh, yeah, anybody that has been able to do well uh, trading in the in NASDAQ or, or S&P uh, using fundamentals, like being able to value these companies and, and these markets on a fundamental basis, more power to you. It's just something I, I simply cannot do. Um, and therefore, I, I uh, just have to trust in uh, trust in the technicals. And, and that is definitely something I have gained a lot of trust for. So something I'm seeing here that's that's really jumping out at me is that the, the biggest moves tend to happen when you fail to return to the beach. Uh, so when you just kind of get stuck between the sky and the 50 moving average, it kind of mm -hmm. is like a lot of people are maybe waiting to buy in here and it's just not coming. And it just, uh, you know, kind of gets that FOMO sort of move uh, with no real pullback to speak of when it fails to move below this. Uh, so here we had that move here where you just kind of melted up uh, staying mm -hmm. above the 50 and you did get a, a good correction here for sure. But that 50 is now holding. Um, and now we're seeing uh, basically a textbook uh, big W pattern. I guess that middle is a little too high, but I mm -hmm. like how this right part is a little handle kind of flag. Uh, so seeing this makes me think that um, we should probably uh, get to some price around the range of it's not confirmed, but it sure looks like it wants to. And if it mm. does, I'd be looking at a target of around 13.7. Uh, was that right? Yep, 13.7. And if it doesn't, that's where I would definitely want to have orders here because this is, again, where I would see a really good spot for a trap. If we just had a sharp move come mm -hmm. down uh, below this low and right into this uh, beach, and something else is, is the angle. When this thing is really angled up strong, that, that suggests a much stronger area of support than when it's just kind of flat and maybe more in a, a ranging market. So if we get a sharp move down uh, to 10, below 10.8, I think it would be a really good opportunity to buy with a with a pretty darn tight stop because who knows what could happen in this in this environment. I wouldn't want to do anything without, without a tight stop here, but expect it to move up. And if it doesn't, I think that'd be a good, good spot to buy. Um, so we'll have to have to see what happens there. <laughs> Yeah, I can agree more because I've been on a fundamental basis. You look at the indices, especially the ones in the U.S., and they're so overvalued. It makes no sense when you have so many zombie companies. And basically, you've got half a dozen companies accounting for the rise in the S&P 500, um, you know, the fangs and all that. But when you look at the charts, and this just confirms it is we're heading higher, you could make the fundamental argument. The reason you'll have more money going to the stock market is because people go, I'm not trusting governments with my money. I would rather trust a CEO of a company than an elected congressman because it's, it takes a lot more work to become the CEO of a company than for someone to be elected in to Congress. And who would you rather have with your, trusting your money? A hundred percent. And I think that there's a, a lot to that. Um, yeah, for sure. Uh, I think that uh, there, there's a, um, an idea that uh, I'm really intrigued in. I guess the the most uh, bull, uh, the most bullish thing that I could say from a fundamental standpoint that uh, actually is making a lot of sense right now um, is that uh, we could see a lot of money um, flowing into the market from life insurance companies. Uh, so before getting into uh, trading, I was a financial advisor and I, I sold life insurance and I, I know how big the commissions were for life insurance and how hard it was to sell. Just having these conversations with people to, to sell them a life insurance policy, it was impossible. Nobody wanted to talk about dying and, and that sort of stuff. Uh, so getting them to just 
book that appointment, much less go through the medical underwriting. You know, you deserved every bit of commission you got. And now, after COVID, uh, people are all of a sudden very much confronted with their mortality. And uh, from the people I've been talking to, phones have been ringing off the hook like has never happened before, where people are actually picking up the phone and calling insurance companies, say, I need life insurance, mm. opposed to being sold on it, which is a night and day difference. And then uh, due to the uh, kind of stress on the medical uh uh, um, businesses, uh, the, the hospitals and stuff, they're, they're not doing as much underwriting. Uh, they're getting all this demand for life insurance and they don't have enough nurses to underwrite. So instead of just telling them to pound dirt, they're just uh, lightening their underwriting requirements. And the reason why this is important for the market is a life insurance company, as soon as they take in a premium for life insurance policy, they go invest it in the market because they need to uh, return uh, that money uh, enough such that they're profitable on that uh, life insurance premium. And that is a huge business, you know, billions and billions and billions of dollars in life insurance uh, on a normal day. And if we're now all of a sudden life insurance business is going to double, triple, maybe quadruple over the next year, and all that money goes straight into the stock market, that uh, seemed very, very uh, intriguing from a, from a fundamental standpoint anyways. <laughs> oh, yeah, I couldn't agree more. And this is something I've battle with personally for years thinking we're due for 2008 style crash. But the thing is not every market's the same, you know, 2008 was different to 2000, 2000 was different to 93, different to 87. It's never the same thing that repeats. And we're always expecting the same thing. But um, yeah, with this market, I have to admit, I might be turning bullish indices before I go bearish. Yep. I, uh, I turned uh, bullish recently myself and have been, um, getting in some pretty decent long exposure. I want to pull up a chart to show why, uh, bring us back to the original kind of topic of hyperwave. Uh, this is really starting to look like it's going into phase four to me, which would be perfect. Like anytime an asset enters phase four, it, it does so when nobody in the world can believe it will happen, mm. basically. Um, that's like uh, what needs to happen for a phase four. Think about Bitcoin. It's phase four was from something like 10K to 20K. And nobody was, mm. you know, thinking 10K was a buy. So yeah. that is a very sort of similar situation to right now. That's the first thing that really got me to really wondering if I should be bullish and seeing, well, who is bullish right now? And in, in a 50-year mm. bull trend, who is, is staying bullish? And there aren't many people. Uh, so mm. therefore, it made me really think, okay, this, this really could start to be giving us the... Uh, you know, textbook sort of uh, sentiment for a big phase four. And this is where I was posting, um, uh, saying that if this is going to be a phase four, this is where we would need to hold. Uh, we would absolutely have to hold this high. And this uh, first sort of um, correction, these first red candles, I would need it to find support at a higher angle uh, than this. Otherwise, it would maybe just be a continuation of phase three or, or, or a top. Mm -hmm. um, so after what we saw in the election, I, I mean, I was scared because I, like, I was buying um, pretty significantly before the election. Uh, charts were on Twitter. I was buying this uh, area uh, pretty significantly, and I was very confident that Trump was going to win. I'm looking at the just historical, uh, the number of presidents that have gotten reelected. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a very high percentage. And, and just based on that, I'm thinking Trump is going to win and this thing's going to take off into phase four, which again would be a good timing. Um, the, a four year phase four would be very good timing. Uh, so I was really feeling really great. And then as soon as it was a Saturday when I heard that 
uh, Biden was announced the winner, and I was very scared about this mm. thing like gapping, gapping to down here uh, on mm. Monday. And then when it went up, it was almost like that last perfect linchpin of for sure anybody that was bullish here, they were bullish because of Trump. And then mm. if they sold that election news, and then the market still pushed forward, who is left in in this thing? Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm really thinking that this is ready for the phase four. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the thing. There are, like you say, there are still short sellers out there. So that sentiment is nowhere near being greed. Absolutely right. And that's the key. To have a chart that looks like this and to not be greedy, to have uh, everybody focusing on the overvalued aspect, that's like the 08 bubble. Uh, like, uh, you know, nobody, or let's see, it was here. Nobody was really calling it here. They were calling it here. And then once this took off, then everybody that was short here got wiped out and yeah. or really, really lost any confidence in their position. And that's when it happened. So that last little move to get everybody to quit thinking about how overvalued it is, is uh, really, you know, this thing going to 6K in the next couple of years is what uh, Hyperwave would pretty much call for. Uh, 6K in the next couple of years. Yep, exactly wow. right. Uh, five on a conservative side. So there's a, uh, on a conservative side, we would be looking for this to double the high of phase three, um, mm. which we could say is around in here, which would be like 56. Uh, and that's the conservative side, two to three X in a phase four is about the range we would expect. So, you know, if we send this market straight up here over the next mm. couple of years, everybody that's talking about how overvalued it is here is, yep. is, gonna be done one last thing that's jumping out at me right now what uh causes the next or uh, the best way to identify the next phase starting is when you break through the top of a parallel channel uh, so right here yep. we have this rise over run and the demand was so much more that it mm -hmm. needed to go at a new angle so it broke through the top and turned it into support something uh kind of jumping out at me right here is this area of resistance that we are now seeming to like this would be the last thing for me to say that uh, like right now i'm thinking it's like 75 percent chance uh, of phase four if this does um turns this area into support right there yeah uh, then that would tell me for sure uh, we have supported a new uh, acceleration and we're ready for uh, that phase four so this is yeah it's, it's, it's looking good to me absolutely yeah, that's a that trend line. I mean, a ten-year trend line you can't ignore, especially when you break the top. Yeah, I mean, you break yeah. the bottom, that's the top. You know, you're you're going yeah. down. If you break through the top, you, you can't just keep going at this rate. Uh, theoretically, I mean, yeah, and like I said, I love your um when you mentioned the baseline there, that long parallel channel. What's this saying? The the longer the in the longer the base, the higher in space. And we saw that in gold, where gold went through what, an eleven-year baseline market. And then, yeah, it just shot up last year. So are you so, concerned, though, that Bitcoin could be correlated to the S&P 500 because we have all these day traders who essentially are just buying? And, you know, this guy's become very popular when oh, <laughs> just the poster behind him reads, stocks only go up. So we've got all these amateur day traders who getting government handout, very easy to jump on Robinhood and just buy. I know there are institutional investors in Bitcoin now, but is there a concern that people are just buying Bitcoin thinking, oh, it's going to go up like it did in 2017 and not really understanding, not just the volatility in Bitcoin, but 
understand appreciating its supply and demand as a as a safe haven asset. That's a great question, and I uh, I, I kind of have the other um, perspective um, in terms of. Um, the first thing that got me into Bitcoin was hearing about the price going up. Um, and the first time that I heard about it, I pulled up, uh, I looked at it and I it was in 2013. I told everybody that I knew uh, how this is a tulip bubble. I, I just couldn't believe how we're repeating history again. Like this is so clearly a tulip bubble. And then after a couple of years of uh, it going through the bear market and me thinking I was right, and then it comes back and I hear that it is now a higher price than it was before when I was right about it being a tulip. That's when I was like, holy shit, what is, uh, what, what, what's going on here? Like the tulip bubble never came back. It crashed and it crashed. So yep. what's going on here? So it was the, the idea of first I heard about it because the price was going up and I stayed away because I was convinced it was a bubble. And then once I heard about it again, coming back, that's when I forced myself to really try to, what did I miss here? Uh, what, what, what could be going on here? And I think that that's a very common pattern uh, for other people that I talked to is first just rejecting it, thinking it's total baloney. Yeah. And then after the bubble finds a bottom and creates a new all-time high, that's when people start to dig into it. They didn't know before. They start to dig into it. Uh, over the last week, I've sent four copies of the Bitcoin standard to my friends and family because they're reaching out to me like I told them in 2017, hey, time to buy. And they thought it was a terrible yeah. buy. And now they're like, what, what, what's going on? Is, is Bitcoin a good, is it a good time to buy? I right, well, read this book and you tell me. And if they tell me it's a good time to buy, I'll, I'll help them. So I think right now is the time where the people that heard about it in 2017 and watched it go to the moon and then fall all the way down and now they're hearing about it coming back, they're realizing that they were wrong. And they're realizing, they're remembering what they saw in 2017. And now they're starting to wonder, uh, you know, if they can get on this train. And for sure, some of them are going to get in and they're not going to understand what they're investing in. And those are the guys that are going to lose. There's always yeah. going to be the markets where, you know, the, the, the uh, fools are, are separated from their money very, very quickly. Yeah. And I think that once we get towards the next top in, in two years, that's where the maybe the next flood of people that are just purely FOMOing and greed and have no concern other than making money, that's where they'll start to pile in. I think right now it's actually the people that are really starting to learn it. Oh, I couldn't agree with you more. And yeah, Bitcoin, you know, our business, what we do is we actually educate Bitcoin how to safely buy it and how to secure your private keys. Um, but at the end of the day, it's still something that people are buying and selling. So even though it's so different, even though it's incredibly safe, it is still people, you know, punching in the keys and markets have memories. <laughs> That's a great quote. That is that is very true. That uh, that market will remember one person that made one bad sell three years ago and come back to us. <laughs> you know, to, it's just amazing how, how the market has a memory. And I think it's like one of the things that I've really decided I'm going to start focusing on um, more so uh, moving forward is just really challenging people to consider, uh, you know, their time horizon. Like everybody mm -hmm. on Twitter talks about being a hodler. How many of them actually held through this last yeah. bear market? I think less yep. than 10%. They, they yep. all say that they're hodlers and then they uh, buy and sell with a time horizon of less than a year. That is yep. a guaranteed recipe to lose. Um, I'm putting together a, uh, an article now that I'm, I'm excited about for the new website. And uh, the, the start of it is a famous quote from Rounders in that if you can't spot the fish uh, within your first 30 minutes at the table, then you are the fish. Yep. And one of the biggest 
fish in this uh, game right now are the people that claim to be hodlers and then they panic sell every time we dip 15% and uh, either leave it on the sideline hoping for better prices or end up uh, buying back. So I think it is very, very critical for everybody out there to really challenge yourself. Uh, what is your time horizon? When, when I first bought Bitcoin in 2017, my time horizon was 10 years. I said, I'm, I'm just going to leave this for 10 years. I, whatever happens, mm-hmm. I'm not going to buy or sell this for, for 10 years. And to me, that's a short-term HODL position. Like if we're investing for the long term and we're talking about 10 years and I'm 30 years old, that is a very short-term time horizon. And I've committed to that. And that has yeah. not been easy, uh, but it's something that uh, that's why the people that end up making some money from this, that they deserve every penny. And the other thing I'll say about that is I'm, I've become convinced that the, the biggest sellers of Bitcoin are going to be uh, over leveraged traders. Mm-hmm. Um, in that capitulation that happened down to, down to $3,000, uh, a lot of people were scared and a lot of people were worried, but nobody was really sending their Bitcoin to exchanges to sell spot from what I could tell. It was mm-hmm. a cascade of liquidations. The, the people yeah. who were getting liquidated, they did not want to sell at, at 4000 or 5000 They were just being forced to because they yeah. uh, because of their leverage. So the people in this space, for the most part, seem to kind of understand where we may be heading long term and may have some sort of idea for some price targets, that sort of stuff. Um, and if you're going to be uh, depositing your Bitcoin to trade on leverage and you, and you lose, say, 0.01 Bitcoin today, what could that be worth in 10, 20, 30 years? Yeah. If you don't really know what you're doing, then uh, do not trade on margin. And it, it just it makes me sick how many people just only trade on margin without having any clue what they're doing. Yeah, no, I heard a really good quote um, by Raul Powell of Real Vision. who um, He said, with, with Bitcoin, don't try and be cute. He said, just buy and hold. And it is that simple, but yeah, I mean, we're, we're programmed with our apps, with all our brokers to all these alerts to react to the markets. And I remember hearing a quote from someone who actually created the uh, S&P 500 indice. Um, I'm, I heard this age ago, I'm trying to remember it correctly, but he said they would check the price of the S&P 500 maybe once a month to once a quarter. This is the guy that created the indice. And this is going back, you know, several decades. Whereas today, first thing I do when I wake up, go to TradingView. Very first thing I do. And um, I'm not trading, but it's just programmed in me to watch the markets. But yeah, you make mistakes by just reacting and stimulating yourself to be in the market when long-term time horizon, yeah, you don't worry about this intraday, intraweek, intramonth volatility. <clears throat> Absolutely. And uh, that's why I really appreciate um, how you're able to just kind of stay out and, and wait for a, a really good environment um, and and not have to uh, worry about getting chopped in and out and, and that sort of stuff. That That's a skill that just, um, you know, it, it's so much easier said than done to uh, um, to buy and hold and do nothing. Like the, the hardest thing to do is to do nothing. Uh, mm. So for sure, whatever is going to be the most profitable is going to be the hardest. Uh, so if you uh, are listening to this and you you, you want to make the most money that you can out of this next uh, bull market if you think that that's what's happening uh, then uh, you know set yourself a time horizon uh, don't mm-hmm. set yourself a price target anybody that sets himself a price target sells too soon uh, if you were in the last uh, in 2017 2016 what was the bottom 250 bucks the top was a thousand uh, anybody that was looking for 5k would have been just blown away by the price ever getting there and then it blows yeah. right through and goes 4x uh, whereas if you're looking at um, time targets uh, which is what the main thing I'm focusing on is is how long does it take Bitcoin to 
um, top after the halving. Uh, there have been some very specific patterns and if it takes a, a certain amount of time and I can be very, uh, uh, I can have a big degree of confidence in uh, being bullish on Bitcoin for the next 18 months after a halving and just forget about uh, the, the intraday uh, price movement and the, and the price targets, that can provide a, an enormous edge. And uh, something else to touch on that uh, you said is just, I, I, would, I would ask people out there to, to challenge yourself to write down what is it that gives you an edge? Uh, why mm -hmm. why are you going to do any better than anybody else out there? When there are people, um, a quote that I, something I say all the time is uh, how this is uh, very much like poker. And, and that's where I started uh, getting um, into everything like this was dropping out of school to, to play poker for a living. And the, uh, uh, the, uh, the uh, similarities between the uh, the long-term uh, discipline and, and commitment that it takes is uh, going to be much different because in poker, you can start out at the bottom rung. You can play against uh, guys that are playing for 10, 20, 30 bucks, a hundred dollars. You, you can move your way up and, and start at like the minor leagues or even lower. Uh, whereas in the markets, uh, you are day one, if you're trading there is uh, Tiger Woods of trading out there trying mm. to take your money. The, the Phil Ivy of trading is probably on the other side of your trade. And uh, so not only do you have to gain an edge against people that are on like uh, Twitter and that stuff, like the small stakes players, you also got to know how are you not going to get totally ruined when you run into, uh, you know, maybe one of the bigger, bigger guys. And this is a, a zero sum game. And if you find yep. that uh, trading, intraday, intraweek, intramonth isn't uh, necessarily working for you, but uh, lengthening that out to trading uh, every few years or, or longer, now you're not necessarily having to compete against the, the Tiger Woods of trading. Um, you're competing against the, the grandma who has you know, got her 401k or whatever, and, and that could be enough to give somebody with a, a little bit of discipline and, and intelligence an edge. And I think the number one thing that you can do is uh, to quit watching the charts. Um, if you are like, for example, for anybody that is trading MSR on the investor mode, and they are just looking to uh, make longer term investments, I strongly encourage them not to watch the charts, not to watch mm -hmm. the news, because as soon as you hear about Trump getting the coronavirus or BitMEX going to jail or whatever it is, there's, there's, there's a million things that can cause you to screw up and to do something different than doing nothing. Uh, whereas if you uh, can figure out what it is that, that really causes you to have a hard time sitting on your hands and doing nothing, uh, like maybe watching the 15 minute chart, uh, then just stop doing that. And, yep. and then even maybe go as far as to, I talked to somebody who just really, really struggled um, uh, throughout the last bull market whenever there was these big sell-offs. Um, so what he did was he locked his private keys and his Bitcoin in a, in a safety deposit box. And uh, he noticed that there was a couple times where he wanted to panic sell. And by the time he went to the safety deposit box and got mm. his Bitcoin back to home, he was like, oh, oh, shit, the price fell. Like, I'm good now. And he, and he was able to hold on. So yeah. just any little thing that you can do to, to recognize where it is that you're struggling and what something you can do to, to help that is going to pay dividends for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Come up with a trading plan. And I like the analogy of poker because people think poker is a, a chance game and it isn't. And the number one thing in poker is you protect your pot because if you lose your pot, you're out of the game entirely. It's the same thing with trading, protect your capital and not trading is a trade. And that's what people don't realize. They think I have to trade. Well, no, choosing not to get into the market, that is a trade itself.
Absolutely right. That was the other corollary I was wanting to make is that um, uh, if you if you if you trade uh, from your computer, you literally have a casino in your house. And I'm telling you, this is a casino that is way more difficult than anything in Vegas. Like in Vegas, you can go play blackjack and you've got damn near a 50 percent chance to win. Like you can get mm. lucky and win at poker. You won't do it over the long term, but you can definitely have some good runs and get lucky in trading. Like I, I'm pretty darn convinced you just cannot get lucky. Like if you enter too big of a position, you're going to mismanage it and exit too much too soon or, or get liquidated. Uh, if you uh, take somebody else's call, that's exactly right. You won't take the profit when you should. Uh, trading is something that there is, it is very, very, very hard to get lucky, but it'll make you seem like it's the easiest thing in the world. It's just pick up or down. And you've got the, 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 the biggest casino in the world, in your house. And most people, they're just gambling addicts. And yeah. that's why they, they can't take a couple days to not watch the charts. They can't do what you did take a couple years to, to not trade because now it's like, you know, a guy who, who's addicted to heroin, who, who doesn't have it. It, it is a, it is a huge addiction. And uh, anybody that is addicted to uh, trading is guaranteed to lose like an absolute guarantee. And that was one thing that I, myself, I think about all the time. And anytime I feel like I'm maybe a little too attached, I'll just make myself take some time off. Uh, mm -hmm. Like you talked about checking the S&P uh, once a month when I was not doing this full time and I was just uh, investing for the long term. I wasn't like maximum checking it once a month uh, because I just, I knew that how much that affected me if, if I did anything else. So I, I think that uh, if anybody out there is, is really struggling to stay away from those small time frame charts, struggling to stay away from the margin trading, you know, really ask yourself uh, how much of that is due to the, the gambling chemicals that, that rise up in, in your mind. And if, if that's something you want to do, there is nothing wrong with that. I, you know, I'm a libertarian and if you want to gamble and you want to lose money and you want to have fun, and you want to gamble a responsible amount, more power to you. But just recognize, uh, you know, maybe that that's what's happening if you really cannot get yourself to pull yourself away from the charts for even a week, much less a month. <laughs> yeah, and another really important thing that you mentioned is if if you're entering on a weekly chart, don't check the chart till the following week. <laughs> Stay committed yeah. to your time horizon. Yeah. So, that, and that's what I found. I'll go in on a weekly chart and I'm checking the price. I'm like, well, why am I doing this? I should, you know, I entered the, the trade on a Sunday. I shouldn't be looking at a chart till the next Sunday. But yeah, you're right. We, uh, we, we are addicts. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, like, and share so we can find others like yourself. Uh, Tyler, this has been a real pleasure. I can talk TA for yonks with you. Um, is there anything else you'd like to bring up? Anything else you'd like to mention? One other thing uh, that pertains to our chat here that uh, I thought about as we were talking, just share one more chart on uh, Bitcoin that is a, uh, I think, a good chart, one that I've been paying a lot of attention to uh, and sharing on Twitter and whatnot uh, as it relates to uh, a hyperwave fractal. So basically, in uh, the hyperwave, it, it uh, traditionally needs to occur on the weekly chart for it to be an actual hyperwave. It needs to be a really big pattern over a long period of time. Uh, but what we've seen is that there are a lot of uh, these exact patterns that occur mm -hmm. on smaller time frames. How about that monthly candle? Yeah. What? Oh my goodness gracious, is that beautiful? That might be one of the biggest monthly candles ever. I mean, that is amazing. Okay, uh, so we see the same pattern occurring on smaller time frames, which means that uh, we'll call it a hyperwave fractal, where uh, the like the percentages, uh, the targets, uh, like for example, in a normal hyperwave, 
85% uh, of phase threes will go on to a phase four. Those sorts of percentages uh, don't apply to the fractal, but the pattern still does. And I've noticed it uh, to be very, very helpful to help me find kind of where we're at in the uh, in the bubble sort of uh, cycle. Um, let's see here, uh, because as these start to accelerate, they start to just seem like they're going straight north. And it's just really hard to figure out like where a terminal point uh, maybe where it may or may not be uh, overbought or uh, what the case may be. And we are uh, starting to get a nice, let's see here, I guess that failed to take the uh, phase four that I was looking for. So that's actually a good sign. So here I'm just drawing in this uh, phase three line there. So we have this uh, little fractal of this phase one that only occurs over like a month. Mm -hmm. And then the following move here turns that into support, get a nice acceleration here. And then if we look at the kind of resistance here, you break through that here, turn it into support here. And then that final sort of uh, where that next leg happened, that's where we'll go ahead and connect the uh, phase three. And then I was thinking, that uh, so we broke through here, we support here. Yeah, this is all still looking like it's ready for a phase four. Basically, if it can support this pullback here, um, we've had the one, we've got the two, we've got the three, we've got the breakthrough of resistance, we've got the throwback to turn it into support. And now uh, potentially, I really, uh, I'm, I'm thinking we are ready to just go ahead and make that move to the all-time high. And kind of like I was talking about earlier, relating it to gold, uh, based on mm -hmm. this little hyperwave fractal, uh, this just going to right here, that, that sure wouldn't really look proportional. Um, we would expect it to be much more something like that to where you get a uh, smash through of the 20,000, stay up there for long enough to make everybody forget about these prices being overvalued mm -hmm. and then get the uh, five, six, seven kind of coming back down to test these areas that this is what I'm watching for. This is what I'm trading for. Um, and as a matter of fact, before I, uh, pull it off. I'm just looking at a signal right now that might be a little bit too late, but uh, right here we see potentially an entry to the long side as we have uh, broken through prior resistance. And now we are throwing back uh, to retest that for support and doing so at what looks like a really good uh, Fibonacci level for me. If I'm looking at that breakout. So this is where I would be wanting to uh, look to buy on a, on a pullback between the 0 0.382 and the 0 0.618 level. And then when that lines up with the uh, prior high, that's something that I definitely would think is going to be, uh, you know, it's just a confluence of support. When you have one mm -hmm. area of support versus two, uh, just a little bit of, of confluence there. So here around the, the 19 to 18.8, I would need to see this level to hold. If we do fall below 18.4, then that tells me uh, a local top is in. But I'm, I'm not thinking that that's, a, that's mm -hmm. the next move. So we'll have to wait and see. So in summary, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Tyler, we are looking at, so with Bitcoin, it, this parabolic run will continue. Um, and then we'll look at all-time highs, combination of that with just 
Um, sentiment indicators looking at extreme greed. We'll look at a correction from there back to similar levels where we are now. That's Bitcoin. Is that correct? Yep, that's that's what I'm thinking. Is uh, if we can like right now, everybody's going to be wanting to sell twenty thousand, and we blow through that and and go to like twenty two or so. Now you got a lot of shorts getting stopped out, a lot of of the yep. profit takers buying back in, and if it sells off to right around eighteen thousand, everybody be looking for it to go lower. They you know everybody then be looking mm -hmm. for that sixteen fifteen area. Um, so if it does top here, I would definitely my orders right now are set in the sixteen area. But I am I'm not expecting that. I, I do think that a, a nice move above twenty and then a move back to eighteen, very similar to what we just saw with gold, yeah. is that, that's just kind of what I'm expecting. But like like you said earlier, we just gotta we just gotta go with the trend and and, and let the price tell us what it wants to do. And we are looking at potentially short term bottom for gold here before gold resumes a journey towards all-time highs. Um, if that breaks below 1760, it's got a bit longer to go down. But if that finds support around 1760, 1770, 1800, we are looking at a resumption of the uptrend. And same with um, indices in the US. If they can pull back just a little and hold on that pullback, we're looking at a potential hyperwave in US indices. Absolutely. I think the, the, the hyperwave is there in U.S. indices. It's it's phase three. And uh, once you get to phase three, it can be considered a hyperwave due to the probability of entering phase four, but still about 15% uh, will just kind of uh, terminate from there. So uh, my opinion is that it's that it has formed that phase three for sure. And, and, and Tyler did agree with that. And that now uh, it's basically either got to form the phase four and go at a higher acceleration or it needs to break down the phase three and uh, and and end the the current hyperwave that's already in. Okay, we will link to your website where people can purchase that or subscribe to that MSR indicator. Just for people listening on the podcast, can you um, tell them where to go again, please, Tyler? Yeah, it's uh, at Socrates.com. S A W C R U H T E E Z. And same same spelling for the Twitter and uh, uh, and and YouTube is uh, it's. Uh, the the honest analyst is the new stream that I've been doing over the last uh, couple months with my buddies Fibbo Swanee and Joe Saz. It's been a, a great show. We do it every Thursday uh, on the evenings, and it's uh, it's a lot of fun because Joe's a, a really short term trader, and me and Fibbo are, are longer term traders. So it's a, a good balance of us getting to look at some higher term stuff, and then while we're at and have to sit there kind of twiddling our thumbs, wait for stuff to happen, uh, Joe gets to chime in, and it's also been good to kind of get to see uh, in the um, real, you know, volatile environments when the markets are really moving or or, or not moving, uh, getting to uh, hear me and Fibo kind of talk about, yeah, we just got to wait here. We just got to do nothing uh, and hearing for that a couple of weeks in a row. And, and then thinking about uh, as a viewer, you know, uh, how, how difficult that may be for you. That I think has been the, the main point is just to kind of help people to uh, get a feel for um, what, what, what it's like to, to go through the swing trading process in real time. And then having the compliment of the short-term stuff has been great as well. So sure. Appreciate you having me and, uh, and appreciate anybody who, who happens to tune in and uh, anybody who wants to come to the all-time high party, you are invited and we are going to have a great time. I can tell you that. <laughs> we'll put up a link for that as well. Thank you very much, Tyler. And uh, if it's okay with you, I'd love to uh, catch up again in the new year and uh, just get my uh, TA fix again. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's always always a pleasure talking to you, Ferris. Uh, I appreciate, uh, excuse me, Ferris, I appreciate your time and we'll uh, be looking forward to the next, next one. Thank you very much, Tyler. It's been a real treat. Thanks for watching or listening. Please visit coincompass.com slash free to register to our socials and discover other free content.
Subscribing, liking, and following helps this content remain ad-free. Until next time.